0: I'm excited for this morning's message the Lord's given me for all of us. He shed his heart for me to speak this message uh, a a while back, and I've been brewing on it for several weeks, and it's just been interesting to watch how the Holy Spirit has been moving us uh, as a church in terms of the message that's been preached excellently from the platform in the last few Sundays Uh, First with Jess preaching a fantastic message about us, how we posture our hearts towards the promises that God has given us in the prophetic and in his word and in the spirit and how we contend towards that in a place of faith, not in the outcome alone, but in the God of the outcome, our Lord Jesus Christ. And keeping our eyes fixed on Him and trusting Him that no matter what the outcome is, He's good. And then Aaron preached a fantastic message the next week about God being with us in the midst of the storm. And that our God is always with us, even when we are facing things in our lives that are incredible challenges. Because He's with us, we can get through them. We can still the storm. He's a God of the supernatural who is able to overcome everything that is raging around us. And then last week, Max preached a fantastic message about whether we feel God or not, whether we're going over the biggest mountains in our lives, which may happen three, four, five times in our lives. For some people, it might feel like they're facing massive mountains constantly Or whether it's us in the mountains, in the little foothills, so to speak, in the constant ups and downs of life, where it's kind of like, as we say in England, the drudgery of life, or the mundane of life, or the ordinary in life, but each little mountain feels like a struggle to get over, and the reality of whether we feel him or not, Jesus is with us. Most especially, we're with him. And I want to deliver the message the Lord gave me for today, for us as a church, concerning the reality that the conditions of our hearts and our thoughts, and as Scripture says, as Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And how those things actually have a way of determining the outcome of our lives, far more very often than what's going on around us. And the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, the good news of the kingdom, is that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is lover, beloved, and Love and in christ he has sent his son into this world so that through faith in jesus christ according to galatians 3:26 we all have become sons of god and that sonship is not some kind of second class sonship to jesus but in christ jesus we are sons in the son just like jesus in the father's love the father loves you as much as he loves Jesus. It is impossible for the Father to love you less than he loves Jesus. And the reason that we struggle with that is that we're looking at the man or the woman in the mirror far too much than the one who dwells on the inside of us and the one who dwells in heaven. And so what are the things in our lives that are constraining us and holding us back when we have received this glorious sonship? And why is it that even though we're sons of God, and as sons of God, all of us, and ladies, if I can get used to being the bride of Christ for eternity, you can get used to being the sons of God. So. (laughs) The reality is that God uses language of sonship in the Scriptures because He's our Father and because He wants us to understand that we have an inheritance in Him. We have a glorious inheritance of which the Holy Spirit dwelling within us is the one who testifies that that inheritance is ours. It's the deposit guaranteeing what's to come. It's the down payment that we are going to receive the full payment one day. His presence in us. And so, here we are as sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. God is our heavenly daddy. We have a full inheritance. We're united with Christ. We're filled with his spirit. So how come life sucks so much? Why is it that there's so many challenges that we face? Why is it that No matter how hard we try to decide that this Thanksgiving I'm going to get on with my family within two seconds of our eldest sister walking in or our eldest brother, we're already turned ourselves into a monster. And not only that, but we we project that it's them that's the issue. But deep down on the inside, we know it's us that's the issue. And actually, the more frustrated with ourselves we are, the more we project that frustration onto those around us. Self-hatred causes hatred of everyone around you. Racism is actually simply an advertisement, a commercial on your forehead that says, I hate myself. Argumentativeness, fighting, bickering is simply telling those around you that you're insecure, that you struggle with pride. And that you're annoyed with yourself that you can't overcome these things. And so we have this amazing reality in the gospel in which we have a daddy, a wonderful heavenly daddy who loves us just as we are. He has loved you from before time began. Before he ever said, let there be light, he already loved you. He already set his affection upon you. He already decided in his heart from eternity past that you would spend eternity with him in the fullness of all of his magnificent affection. Your future, your destiny is secure in the Father's love. The Father loves you just as you are. Before you ever sinned, he loved you. Before you ever did anything right or wrong, he loved you. I'm so so glad, though, that even though he comes to us in the midst of our reality of our sin, sickness, pain, death, suffering, and he accepts us as we are. He doesn't ask us to clean ourselves up in order to prepare to receive him. He comes into our mess. He came into our mess sent his son into our mess. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrated his love in this way, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But I'm so glad that though he loves us as we are, he loves us way too much to leave us as we are. And this morning, you and I, church family, we're going to do business with God. I want to invite you to join me. I've already begun this, this journey I began this journey many, many, many years ago, but I've begun this journey in preparation for this message. I've begun again another round of allowing the Holy Spirit to shine His light on my heart and to show me the areas of my heart today that He wants to deal with, things that He wants to bring up so that my future is completely different to my past, so that I'm set free from cycles of behavior that frustrate me, And God's going to do that for you this morning. We're going to do our homework today. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to work on our hearts. And we're going to be champions as we leave this room today. So turn with me to Hebrews and the book uh, and chapter 12. God has made you to be the head and not the tail. God has created you to be the number one biggest blessing in the corporation or the company that you work for. If you're serving coffee every day in Starbucks, God created you to be the number one best barista in there. Because that Starbucks has Jesus serving coffee. The day that... I'm going to let go of the (laughs) desire to add another one to that. (laughs) Hebrews 12, verse verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The sins that I want to talk about this morning are not the obvious sins that we all immediately think of when we think of sin. We think of sexual immorality, we think of pornography, we think of um, jealousy, we think of fits of anger, rage, we think of um, hatred, we think of, thank you, lying, stealing, all of those things. The sins that I want to talk about this morning are a little less obvious but they're actually probably the root sins of almost all of our sin. Looking unto Jesus, no, let us, Throw it off and let us run the race with endurance, the race that's set before us. Others have preached on that the last few weeks. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed as you've striven or strived against sin and you have forgotten the exaltation which speaks to you as sons. My son, quoting the Old Testament in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11, My son, do not despise the disciplining or the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And scourges every son or daughter whom he receives. If you endure the discipline or the chastening, then God, that God, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons and daughters. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten or discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are actually illegitimate and not sons. You're still in a condition of orphanness. But how many of you know that even as sons, when we resist the discipline of the Lord as sons, it doesn't mean we're now orphans, but it means that instead of behaving and living and thinking as sons, we now have relegated ourselves back to the behaviors and the mindset and the ways of the orphan. Furthermore we have we've had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live for they indeed for a few days disciplined us or chastened us as seemed best to them but he for our profit everyone say for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness now no discipline or chastening seems to be joyful In the moment or for the present, but it feels painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. The implication of trained by it is that you're not just going to be disciplined by the Lord once and then everything's cool. If you're going to be trained by it, it means that it's going to come and it's going to come and it's going to come and it's going to come. come. But Be joyful because it's to your profit. Don't resist it because it's actually the legitimacy of the reality that you are indeed a son. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. Don't live with the perspective of little mountains per se Or even see big mountains and think of them, not that I'm negating what Max was saying, I'm building on it. I'm saying to you this morning that those things, it is possible to actually live a life where your paths are straight for your feet. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness spring up, causing trouble. And by that root of bitterness, many become defiled. And I'm going to add, through you. Did you know that you have the capacity to either be a blessing in your environment or a defiler of your your environment, and most of the time we're ignorant of both. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person, that word profane in my Bible, in the notes, it says godless person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his entire birthright. For you know that afterwards he wanted to inherit the blessing. He was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. There is a real place, folks, where we can be in a position where we reject the discipline of God, and it's only afterwards, when things go a certain way, that we look back with deep regret. Thankfully, we can avoid that place. And one of the greatest ways to avoid that place is to deal with. The roots that are ungodly, that are producing the ungodly fruits. So that instead, we can have roots in us that are producing godly fruits. So I want to talk about roots and fruits. Matthew 18, verse 35. Jesus said, if you don't forgive from your heart, then your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Now why is that so important? Well, because when we walk in unforgiveness, we're literally giving Satan the keys to our house. Proverbs 23, verse seven says that as a man thinks or a woman thinks in their hearts, so they are. And Proverbs eighteen twenty-one says death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Oh, man, I'm dying to see my brother. Oh, I can't wait to go on vacation. Oh, I'm sick and tired of this situation. Man, I can't believe I'm so stupid. What are we speaking? We're speaking death with our tongue. When we just liberally use the F word or we liberally use all kinds of profanity, we don't realize it, but we're actually saying, here you are, Satan. Here's the keys of my house again. Do whatever you want to do with me. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I want to draw particular attention to verse 15 of chapter 12. Looking carefully, everybody say carefully. Looking carefully. This morning we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us look carefully. Because very often the problem with roots is you can't see them. Not long ago a friend of mine, Lee Zook, who's a member of this church and actually takes care of so many of the the practical things, fixing things and he's just an amazing, amazing friend. He's been a friend for years. And uh Lee was actually helping me to build something at our at our home and and we were having to dig in order to make some uh deep holes that were sort of this deep in order to put some um some posts, if you like, in order to hold the structure up, and one of the biggest challenges was not only that the ground was incredibly rock hard, but was these gigantic roots that were everywhere. And at first, it looked like a really nice kind of area that, oh, I'm sure we'll be able to put them here. Come on, let's go. Boom. And all of a sudden, there's all these gnarly roots in there that were preventing us from digging. And of course, those roots were supporting a giant tree, There are things in your life that are under the surface of your life that people around you who may think you're amazing in a moment, but suddenly if they were to get close to you might discover that things are not quite so amazing. Why? Because you've allowed in the garden of your life for there to be all kinds of root systems. And those root systems are not part of trees that are bearing fruit of life, but they're parts of trees that are bearing fruits of death in your life, in other people's lives, and calling, causing defilement. But today we're going to get rid of them. We're going to get rid of the ones the Holy Spirit shows us. Amen? Now, how do these roots of bitterness grow in our lives? And how can we know that they're there? Well, you know a tree by its fruit, Jesus said. And so when you look at the fruit, you'll know there's a root. And so if you find yourself in the situation where you're frustrated over and over again because the same things, the same behaviors, the same sinful patterns keep happening, or the same... Things around you keep happening. You keep facing the same situation, but you've got a pair of glasses on that other people look at that situation. It's not a problem. But you look at that situation and you're enraged by it. You're frustrated by it. What is that? That is fruit. That is bitter fruit that is coming from a bitter root. The good news is the presence of that bit of fruit is what gives away that under the ground in the invisible realm, there's a bit of root. And the good news is with the Holy Spirit's help and repentance, we can pull, pull that root out. Now, those bit of roots, they start like every plant with a seed. And if we allow that seed to take a hold of the the soil of our heart, it will send up a shoot, it will germinate, send up a shoot, and send down a root, like every seed. And when do those seeds start to be formed in our lives? Very often, many of the the significant trees that are bearing bitter fruits in our lives today, as adults, they actually started as, as a seed, even as young, as two or three or four or five years old and they just keep growing, quietly growing and when you're born again you are given a brand new heart and you're made perfect in the heavens in Christ Jesus. The problem is this side of heaven our hearts are slow learners and are catching up with that reality in terms of our behaviors and thought patterns. Our minds can keep us locked in the bitter roots, in the bitter ways of our old man or the old sinful nature, otherwise known as the flesh. And we can end up reaping from things that were sown a long time ago, even though we're born again. This is nothing to do with our salvation. This has everything to do with how much of our salvation everybody gets to enjoy on this world and we enjoy in this world. And so, most roots, bitter roots, are bitter root judgments. Everybody say bitter root judgments. Bitter root judgments. That's the first thing that we're gonna talk about. The second thing is, those bitter root judgments, if left to grow, will become bitter root expectancies. Everybody say bitter root expectancy. Third, every bitter root, bitter root, expectan- bitter root judgment, bitter root expectancy often has associated with it inner vows. Vows that we make in our heart that were not good vows. They were vows of self-determined, ungodly reaction, and all three of those things are typically formed when other people hurt us. I want you to know that the bitter roots in your life are not the things that others have done to you. The bitter roots in your life and my life are, the, are our ungodly reactions to what others have done to us. And let me tell you something, the storms that you face in life, the mountains that you have to overcome, many, many, many of them are created by your self-determined bitter root judgments, bitter root expectancies, and inner vows. Now, I'm not saying all of them are because God allows storms that have nothing to do with the condition of your heart to come towards you because he's got some kind of other agenda. But I am saying to you, that many, many, many of the things that you struggle with in your life are coming out of those bitter root judgments, bitter root expectancies, and inner vows. What is a bitter root judgment? Well, the first thing that comes, a bitter root judgment are perhaps the most powerful negative forces in our lives. Let me just say that again. A bitter root judgment is perhaps the most powerful negative force in your life. We've just been to Asheville this weekend to minister in Asheville, and the number of people that came up to us and told us, oh, Asheville, wow, it's a a dark place. There's a lot of witchcraft. There's a lot of this. Let me tell you something. The witchcraft that goes on around the principalities and powers, all of those things, yes, they're dangerous, but if they're that dangerous, how come you're still alive? The most dangerous things in your life are actually the things in your life that are your wrong reactions to everybody else's sin around you. That's actually the most dangerous thing in your life. The good news is that you actually have the capacity to overcome that. The enemy uses the unchangeable laws of God to actually be the very fuel that powers his operation in our lives through our bitter root judgments and our inner vows. And it is based on laws that are are created by God for our blessing, but the enemy uses them to his advantage through our sin. Number one, the law of honoring and dishonoring. It's actually the law of honoring. But of course, when we don't walk in honor, we dishonor. Deuteronomy 5.16, God gives us, within the Ten Commandments, the only commandment that is associated with a direct, immediate blessing. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God has given you. I'm not saying that everybody who dies young died because they didn't honor the Lord, but I am te- uh, sorry, didn't honor their father and mother. But I am telling you that if you want to live long, there is a law of blessing. If you honor your father and mother, you will live long in the land. And not only that, it will go well with you. In every area where we sow honor towards our parents, we reap good things in those areas of our lives. But where we so dishonor, we will reap in that area of your life. Have you ever had that thought in your heart? Oh my gosh, my mother was so controlling. My dad, so controlling. My uncle, so mean-spirited. My grandfather never gave me any attention that I wanted him to give me. My mum was never there for me. My dad was never there for me. I'm always going to have to do things for myself because I had a father who never provided for me. Anybody ever have those kinds of thoughts? Let me help you out just a little bit. How many of you in this room would like to be just like your mum and dad? Okay, we've got just a few handfuls of hands. The vast majority in this room like me, would prefer not to become like our parents, at least in certain areas. Now, the reality, everybody, is that we all have had imperfect parents. There's not one single parent on planet Earth that's perfect. And so in the ways that they're not perfect, the danger is, and very often, the better our mom and dad are, and the less they hurt us, the more when they hurt us actually goes really deep. And so sometimes people that have had the most amazing mums and dads can actually also carry the greatest level of sin in response to the sins of their parents. Number two, the law of judging. Matthew 7, 1-2 says, Don't judge, for you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Luke goes on to say, pressed down, shaken up, running over, poured into your lap. It's not an offering talk. It's a be careful of bitter root judgments talk. Because when you judge others, judgment will come your way in the same areas that you judge others and it will come back, not as one seed sown, it will come back a 60 and 100 fold. The law of sowing and reaping. Galatians 6, 7. Don't be deceived God cannot be mocked. A person reaps what they sow. What you sow, you will reap. What we sow, we reap. God wants us to reap blessing in our lives. And so he's looking for us to sow blessing. Sadly, because we live in a world of imperfect people, we get hurt. When we get hurt, we, get, we shrink back and we decide we're going to hurt. How many of you have heard that saying, hurt people, hurt people? Now, that doesn't, I I don't want to just use unnecessary broad strokes. I'm just saying that what happens is it's not the hurt that's done to us that really determines the course of our lives. It's our response to what's been done to us that really determines the course of our life. How do we know that? Because Jesus was able to live a perfect life in the midst of a deeply, profoundly sinful world. And he wants us to be able to do the same. When we judge somebody, we reap that judgment in our own life. If we sow judgment, we reap judgment. Romans 2.1 says this, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you're condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the very same things. Now, there is a difference between observation and judgment, and I would say that for those of us in this room, many of us in this room, very often the more discerning you are and the greater level of discernment you are have, the more you can get really confused in this Because your discernment is showing you that somebody is carrying a wrong mentality, a wrong spirit, but then you're so fussed up that you don't want to make a judgment that you even ignore the discernment. And I want to release you to realize you are allowed to make an observation. You are allowed to discern. It's what you do with that observation and that that discernment that changes the outcome of whether it becomes a blessing or whether it turns into a judgment. A judgment is an observation and a discernment that leads you into, dis- into making a negative statement with your lip thought that starts and then statement with your lips to somebody who's willing to listen about that person in order to bring the view of that person down in the eyes of those who are listening and including your own heart. So if you discern something or you observe something and your immediate thought is, Lord, have mercy on them. Lord, forgive them. Lord, would you pour your love into that person? Lord, would you help that person? Lord, would you just help my supplier who keeps screwing me? Lord, I forgive my supplier. Lord, would you just release your blessing into my supplier? I don't know why right now they're not giving me the supplies I need. But, and Lord, it's so frustrating me. I'm so mad about it. I, if, I'm, if I just think about it for a second, I'm just going to explode. But Lord, I recognize I don't know why my supplier is not supplying what I need. And Lord, I just step away from the enemy's temptation for me to judge my supplier. And I step back into your arms of love. It could be your husband. It could be your father and mother. It could be your pastor. It could be whatever situation, apply it. Lord, I step back into your love. Father, I forgive my supplier. Father, I forgive my dad. Father, I forgive my mom. Father, I forgive my sister. Father, I forgive my brother. I forgive my child. I forgive whoever it needs to be. And Lord, I ask you that you would wash them and cleanse them with the precious blood of Jesus. And I pray your blessing on them i release them from any temptation to judgment i release them from any judgment in jesus name i bless my supplier wherever they are lord would you pour out your blessing into my supplier lord i just can't even imagine how what must be going on in their lives all i could see what was going on in my life but now lord i as i've come into forgiveness i can see that maybe there's some very legitimate reasons why this supplier is the way they are. Lord, I bless them in Jesus' name. Would you supply whatever's missing, whatever's lacking? I know that normally they want to do well. Lord, we just bless them in Jesus' name. When you live like that, you won't see mountains. You'll see a smooth path. Finally, the law vows. Numbers... 30 verse 2. For man or a woman vows a vow unto the Lord or swears an oath to bind their soul with a bond, they shall not break their word. They shall do according to all that proceeds out of their mouth. They shall do all according to all. Everybody say all. That proceeds out of their mouth. Vows that are made... In a time and a season of pain, those vows are probably the most powerful weapon in the hands of Satan and the dominion of darkness to hinder blessing from flowing in our lives. Those vows. You say, well, what vows? Well, the best way to determine whether there's a vow in your life or not is to think about the things that come out of your mouth or your thoughts that start with, I will always... Or I will never. I will never let a woman hurt me again. I will never have children. I will never go to a church like that again. I will never ever let anyone control me again. I will never let anybody hurt me again. I will never be rich. I'll always be poor. I'll always be last. I'll always be rejected. I'll always be forgotten. I'll always screw up. I'm always going to make a mess of things. I always forget. I'll never remember. It's just the way I am. Anybody have those kinds of thoughts at all? Anybody at all? Just one person. I'm glad I showed up today. <laughs> vows are binding whenever they're made in our own strength. They hold us at a judgment level based on our own strength rather than grace. See, here's how the enemy uses these vows to bring mountains, to bring crooked paths, to bring about a stealing of the harvest of blessing in our lives. God, that Duncan Smith said he would never let anybody hurt them again. And he's just been hurt again. So he just broke that vow. And because he broke that vow, I have permission to steal, to kill, and to destroy in his life. That Duncan Smith said, I'll never be late again. He's just been late. I have permission to destroy his life. That Duncan Smith said, I'll never control anybody. I will never, this is how vows and judgments work together. I will never, ever be like my mother. I will never let anybody control me like my mother controlled me. So first of all, the moment we control somebody, now we've broken that vow. Now we've given the enemy fuel. Secondly, because it was a bitter root judgment about our mother, Now we've judged our mother, so now the enemy has permission to start to work in our lives to bring negative outcomes. Bitter roots begin to develop. And now we start to overcompensate in life to try to prevent ourselves being just like our mother or just like our first wife, or just like our first girlfriend or boyfriend, or just like our first pastor, or just like our dad, or whoever it might be. I want you to apply this across a broad spectrum. That first boss that you had, that you judged, and said, I'm never going to be like them. What happens is you become who you judge. You become just like your professor at university that you were flat out mad with. All the other professors were fantastic. The only one that you can remember is the one who was not fantastic to you and judged you. And the reason why you can never forget them is because you spend your life trying to make sure you're not like them and you become just like them. And here's the deal. It goes from a bitter root judgment to a bitter root expectancy because we say, I'm not going to be like my dad. I'm not going to be like my mom. And then we go to because... Let's say, my dad's controlling. I'm not going to be like my dad. He's controlling. And then it becomes, all men are controlling. All pastors are controlling. We, we get to work, and our boss starts to behave a certain way. And instead of seeing Mr. Mr. Davis or Mrs. Davis, like everybody else sees Mr. or Mrs. Davis, We see our dad. We see our mom. And they come in and they behave or make an action or make a decision based on a certain way. Everybody else is chill about it. But we explode. Why are we exploding? Because we're tripped up on the fruit now of a bit of root that we didn't realize was there. And we end up saying things like, I can't believe you're just like so and so. Whoa, wow. And then not only that, if we don't deal with, I can't believe you're just like so-and-so, every so-and-so is a so-and-so. That's a bit of rude expectancy. And the vows can be so deep, everybody. Those vows. Man, I was talking with somebody and they were telling me about a something that had happened to them in a church. And they, I was in their home. We were having breakfast. They were telling me about this horrific situation in which the pastor had been so mean and, the, and, and just had overlooked them and they just could never, you know, really find a, a place and all they wanted was their money. And this person would just took up about half the breakfast telling me their story. And guys, we've all done it, haven't we? Maybe not right now, but let's face it, when we've been hurt, we spend a significant amount of our time talking about that hurt to those around us. It's the topic, the hot topic of conversation for us. In fact, it's such a hot topic, we almost want to change the conversation back to it at any given opportunity we can. Why? Because of the sting, because of the indignation, the anger, and so on. What's happening? The enemy is just twisting. The bitter root It's there. It's producing its fruit. We just get more and more mad. And when I said to this person about halfway through the breakfast, when did that happen to you? I was thinking, you know, the clarity in which they were speaking, it was this last week or maybe a month ago. said, oh, it was about 25 years ago. There are things that you and I are talking about that happened a long time ago but they're so fresh. We can remember the shirt, color of shirt we were wearing. Why? Because in our sinful reaction to the sins that were done to us, the world stops and everything starts to be defined by that moment instead of being defined by the love of God. I want you to stand. I just want you to take a moment to just begin to start to maybe perhaps close your eyes and begin to start to ask the Holy Spirit right now. Lord, are there any habits in my life, any cycles, any patterns? What are my triggers? Lord, why is it that some things just poke me, trigger me? Lord, where where are the things that are hidden deep down on the inside of my heart that are causing the environment around me to shift into a pattern that seems to constantly happen to me? Wherever I go, cycles of rejection, Some of you might be, if you're really honest, you're just going through cycles of sickness. It's like one thing after the other. Maybe it's COVID. Maybe actually, maybe it's not COVID. Maybe it's a bitter root judgment. Maybe it's an inner vow. Maybe when you were a child, you said, I'll always be sick. Maybe your family called you a sickly child. You just took ownership of it. Maybe somebody told you, maybe your dad, your mom told you, you're just goofy, you're just clumsy. You're, you're, accidents, are just, it's just you. It's, your, it's, it's the way you are. You always have accidents. And maybe some of you, if you're really honest, you've had repeated car accidents. You've had repeated things go wrong in your home vehicles. You've had repeated things go wrong in your relationships, broken relationships. And when you're really honest, it seems to be the very same, very same similar situation that's happening constantly. Or maybe you're just in a season where things are going wrong, appliances are going wrong. Kate and I were in a season where it was like one appliance after another, after another, after another broke down. And I was frustrated looking at my next broken appliance and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and I realized, wait a minute, Lord, is there any wicked way in me? Have I judged? And I just took a moment, I asked the Lord's the Holy Spirit to show me. And he began to show me that I had judged one of my colleagues at work. I was frustrated with them. And I began to be bitter in my soul towards them. And I'd opened the door for the enemy to come and steal, kill, and destroy. And my appliances that normally were fine were all of a sudden breaking down left, right, and center. Catch the fire church family. We're going to shut the door. The evil one. If you, if any of what I have said to you relates to you, come out here to the front, please. Just come up to the front and let the Holy Spirit come in a sign of just confession and repentance and a willingness to just pull out those bitter roots. Just come up here, just fill up the front. There's lots of, don't worry about the green line. Just come on, come right up. My mother's manipulative. My father's manipulative. All women are manipulative. All men are manipulative. All leaders are manipulative. All leaders are controlling. All churches just want your money. My boss will never, ever see my potential. These are all the things that come from our wrong reactions to hurtful situations. We're going to start by forgiving the person that's contributed us making these judgments and these vows. John 20, 23 says that if we forgive anyone their sins, they're forgiven. If we do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. For some of you, these are painful things. I want you to know that there's a difference between forgiveness and trust. I'm not asking you to trust them. I'm asking you to forgive them. Forgiveness is a gift that we give to those who don't deserve it. Trust is not that. It's the opposite. Trust is something that a person must always earn. We only give our trust to those worthy of it. But a lot of the time, people refuse and are unable to forgive because they're muddling up forgiveness and trust. So, well, I don't trust them. That's right. You shouldn't trust them. However, you must forgive them. So just take a moment and forgive them, forgive your mom, forgive your dad, forgive your boss, your pastors, your leaders, your siblings, the government, other races, whoever it might be, just give them a gift of forgiveness. Say this for me, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I choose to forgive. And then say their name. Mom, I forgive you. Dad, I forgive you. And now I want you to say this with me. Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me for judging them. For making vows. For the bitterness that I've allowed in my heart towards them. I'm sorry for causing, I'm sorry for closing my heart to their love. And Lord, I I repent. Say that with me. Lord, I repent. I repent now for the judgment and the vows that I made. I had no business to judge them. I'm just like them. I'm no different. Lord, I forgive them. And just... Holy Spirit, say this with me. Holy Spirit, I put the cross of Christ... Between that person and my judgments and all future reaping in my life. Break the cycle now in Jesus' name. I renounce and break agreement with the judgments that I made in bitterness. I break the cycle by the power of the blood of Jesus. No longer will my life be shaped by those patterns and cycles. I release them and set them free, in Jesus' name. I renounce the bitter roots and the vows that I planted as a result of my judgments, in Jesus' name. I break the power of the judgments and vows and the power to hold this root in place, to harm myself or anybody else, in Jesus' name. I break the power behind all bitter-root expectancies. And be specific right now. Just tell the Lord. And I release myself from them. And I place the cross of, of Jesus between me, the consequences of my judgments, my vows, my expectations. And Lord, I bring these old practices, these patterns of behavior I bring them to death now by the power of the cross and I declare an end to the law of sowing and reaping my life all right now tri- tip your head back and ask the Lord welcome the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit I welcome you right now to all the areas of my life where, there's root, where those roots have been pulled out. Lord, would you nurture the soil and would you sow seeds of righteousness, and holiness, and love into that vacant land so that I would begin to produce the fruits of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, I want to just finish with this. Come on up, Dave. I want to just finish by saying this. How many of you are married in this room? Raise your hands. Okay. How powerful were the vows you made? Right? Okay. Well, you have just made decrees and you've spoken things in repentance that have set you free now through your confession and repentance. You will never, with the Holy Spirit's help, and by the way, that's what you can add in, with the Holy Spirit's help, I will this, this, or this. But you can comfort, live in the comfort now of knowing that the Holy Spirit will help you to never live according to those cycles and patterns again. You're free. Congratulations.